This podcast contains swear words. Hello and welcome to Talking Shit with Tara Cheyenne. I'm your host, Tara Cheyenne Friedenberg. Look at that. A choreographer. I'm an actor. I'm a dancer. I'm a writer. I'm an educator. What a list. Living on the unceded, ancestral, stolen territories of the Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh, and Squamish nations here on the west coast of Turtle Island. As usual, I have an excellent interview lined up for you today. But before I dive into it, I just want to remind you to please like, share, click the donate button on the upper right-hand corner, www.terrashahan.com. We'll put that donut, that donut, that would be good if I could give you a link to a donut. If I could, I would. But there's a link to the donations website. And if you have it in your means, even a little bit, it does make a big difference. And we do pay our guests. Okay, so a bit of an interesting interview today. I've got two guests today. Karen Adderley, who is a coach and a health expert. She has been coaching for many, many years and had all kinds of incredible careers, including motorcycle cop. I know. We'll put her whole bio in the show notes. Caron is also with my very dear friend, Kate Franklin, who is an incredible dancer, choreographer, and educator here on the West Coast, born in North Bay, Ontario. Started dancing at the age of five and got super serious about it at the age of 10. So it just took five years. If you know Kate, Kate does things all the way. And her bio will also be in the show notes. Now, we're getting into the topic of fitness, of muscle, from especially a female perspective. Karan is a coach at Mad Lab, where I train, and also where Kate trains. Mad Lab is not giving me any money to do this. This is not a promotion of Mad Lab. It's a fantastic place. It's full of weirdos and middle-aged folks. But our point is that you don't have to go to any specific place. The point of this interview, I wanted to get into how we can support our bodies and a sense of strength and how that can support creativity. Because whether you like it or not, you're walking around with this flesh bag and you got to take care of it. I am 51 and the things that I did, i.e. not wear knee pads for years, dropping to my knees, being rock and roll, sketching up. So I'm finding the building of the muscle incredibly, incredibly important. And not just for the, ooh, I can squat better. I can get up and down off the floor. I can still dance. Ooh, we're on de jam, anyone? But it's affecting my mental health. It's affecting how creative I feel. So that's why I wanted to have this conversation with these two amazing, amazing women. So... Welcome, <laughs> Kate Franklin and Karen Adderley, to Talking Shit with Tara Cheyenne. I'll just start this interview by saying that I'm very honored that you both agreed to talk about fitness, feminism, and creativity. I don't think I've listened to any podcasts that put those three things together. Have either of you? No. Nope. (laughs) And I'm very curious about how you're going to put them together. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We're going to put them together, 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 together. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, I'd love to know like how you each kind of found fitness and how that's like fit into your lives. Karen, obviously, like you're a coach that's like Mm -hmm. the center of your your life. Mm -hmm. But Kate, I know it's really super important to you. And since I've drank the Kool-Aid, I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) It's the best part of my day. (laughs) Every time? (laughs) Karan, why don't you go first? 
Yeah. So when I was really, really young, my parents put me in a bunch of different sports and stuff for me to kind of figure out what I wanted. I don't know how long you want the story because I can make this pretty long. (laughs) Go for it. But eventually I found karate when I was really little and I loved it. I fell in love with it. I was not graceful for dance or gymnastics or any of those things, but I really kind of found my place in just like a nice community center, karate kind of dojo. And seems to be like very common with me, especially anything physical. Once I find something I really, really love, I want to teach other people about it. Mm. And so my very first paying job was at like 15 at the community center teaching little kids karate. Mm. And that kind of escalated into um, I worked at an all women's gym And I worked there for a few years and I loved the job, but I got paid like $4 an hour (laughs) um, for like 13 hour days. Uh, I can go into a whole other like Mm -hmm. whole other podcast about how the fitness industry is broken. Mm. And I I experienced that firsthand. Mm. Um, And I loved training women. I think this is really where my passion for, for training women came from working in this all women's gym. And eventually I had to quit that job to become a receptionist because I made more money and I could pay my rent. Wow. Wow. So from there, I just did a whole bunch of different careers. And it was almost like no matter what career I did, I was teaching something. So you may or may not know, I ended up being a police officer for a while. But then I taught the swimming and lifesaving at uh, our police training school. So it was just like Mm -hmm. there was always me teaching something to do with the physical side of whatever the hell it was I was doing. And uh, eventually I was working many corporate jobs, working in the environmental industry after I left policing. I've done a million careers, again, a whole other podcast. But Wow. <laughs> I found Mad Lab, the gym that we all go to now. And at first it was just, it was really cool as a, a client. And then learning that it was a school for coaches and that I could maybe do an apprenticeship there. I took a different role at my corporate job, which was less demanding, and started my apprenticeship program at Mad Lab. And then, you know, the world shut down with COVID, and I realized there's no way I could go back to my corporate job. And that's when I jumped in full-time, arguably the worst time to, you know, leave a good paying corporate job. But it's just always been my passion um, and especially teaching other people anything to do with fitness and especially women. So that's kind of the the short version. Mm. That's awesome. I want to come back to teaching the creative practice of teaching mm-hmm. after we hear from Kate, because, you know, I teach a lot too. And there's something about embodied practice and the need to teach and how teaching, you know, it's it's an art form. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so Kate, mm-hmm. what's your journey? I was um, dancing really young, five years old, and that was always going on. And I added more, you know, I started with ballet and I added more things, tap and jazz and all this stuff. I played some other things. I played baseball and, and was very a very active kid. I wasn't a particularly athletic. I loved doing. Dance was really the thing because it was, um, if you don't have... <laughs> The athleticism, you can have expression and um, you can be successful with other elements <laughs> other than athleticism, I think. Um, so I loved it. Loved doing stuff and being busy with my body and yeah, running around and all that stuff. Anyway, dance got really serious and I went to ballet school because I wanted to make it a career. So I left home when I was 14 to pursue professional ballet training. And I came home one summer. I got to come home in the summers. I was at home for like probably the month of August one time as a teenager. And my dad, he was like, Kate, you have to get out of the basement and do something. Like he noticed that I was just crashed out in the basement. Like, because without a high level of activity, my mood plummets. I'm not myself. I have no desire to do anything at all. I'm like, this. it's like an input that I require. And he knew that about me. And he was like, we're gonna go get you a membership at Good Life Gym. Uh, There's a sale on right now. And he's like, we're, we're going to get you. You're, you're going to do that. He basically was like, I was like 17. <laughs> he's like, get out of the basement, get into the gym. And he knew that would instantly bring me back to myself. And he was right. And um, ever since then, 
I have just understood that I must put in a certain level of movement. Uh, of course, I take rest days because that's so important, but it's like essential to me and my life and my happiness. And that's, um, I have him to thank for that. And so, okay, didn't become a ballerina, became a contemporary dancer and said, thank God. Hmm. No shade to ballet, but it just wasn't my path, actually, very clearly. <laughs> yeah, then there was like a contemporary, you know, moved into having an independent contemporary dance career, which I, I always taught to. I, I started teaching dance at 17 and um, I'm 43 now. And I took a, I fell in love with Ashtanga yoga at some point. So I took a yoga teacher training one month long in 2008. I was teaching yoga for about 10 years. And I took a Pilates mat certification as well. So there's like, I just, I love movement and I love teaching it too. Yeah. So th then I've been a Mad Lab member for six years and I just knew, I knew that as soon as I could afford, like I knew, I knew this from the time I was 24, that as soon as I became less broke, I would get personal training. I just knew that, that I would access personal training for myself. I wanted it from around age 24 until I finally got it at age 33 or something. Mm -hmm. um, Oh, no, 36. Sorry, that's the math stuff. I was able to afford it for the first time, maybe 37, actually. And I went straight to Mad Lab and said, sign me up and I need it. And I've been there ever since. And I, I just knew I would love it and then it would change my life. And it has. Uh, yeah, me 49. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, here's my question for both of you. So physicality, the necessity for movement, the impetus to teach... Do you think this is an essential tool for feminism? And, you know, I'll throw in there, too, that dance, there's more female identifying people in dance by far than male identifying people. So I think for a lot of our listeners, it's a reality. Yeah. Hmm. Karan, what do you think about that? Yeah, 100%. Uh, where to start? So I think, first of all, especially with the type of fitness that we do, First of all, it helps to build confidence. At least it did for me. Like I, even though if I was in fitness before, the stuff that we do, lifting heavy weights, all the high intensity things that we do, I think that really just build a confidence in myself and my body that I didn't know I had. And one of the things, um, so you guys weren't around when I first started, but when I first started, I was very, very small. And so I was about 40 pounds lighter than I am right now. <laughs> and so even though I was doing fitness, I was running, I was doing other things, I was going to a regular gym. My whole idea of working out was like just to to lose weight. It was like to get skinny mm. and to, to, to be smaller. And I think the way that we approach fitness now or at least that I approach fitness now, it really just gave me that confidence as a woman that it's okay to take up space and to be strong and to be powerful. And I didn't have that before. There'd be times when you go to like anytime fitness and the vibe was just very, very different in that like, um, I just remember trying to like play around with deadlifts. No one had taught me at deadlifts at that point. I was just playing around with deadlifts and like the vibe from like the men were like, you don't belong on this like lifting platform over here. And so at a, a regular gym, I often would just hang out in the women's only section with the other women on the Stairmaster, just count calories and like, let's just, let's just see how skinny we can get. <laughs> so I think there can be the kind of diet culture side of fitness versus what we do and what I love to teach women about is like how to get strong, how to take up space, how to be the most powerful version of yourself. And I think it just translates so well to the rest of your life. Yeah, that's how it like links to feminism for me anyways. I'll say this, and Kate, you might have an opinion about this because you know me quite well. <laughs> Since I have joined Mad Lab, now this could be also my time of life, <laughs> but I feel like I've become more opinionated Mm. like week by week. And I feel like yeah. it's connected to the muscle mass or this stability of my joints mm. or something. Mm. It's kind of delightful. And just saying like to take up space versus the first 49 years, more or less of my life, I was trying to get smaller. And now I'm like, oh, can I get these any bigger? Like, let's see. What we yeah. 
right? Okay, I'm going to throw it to you, Kate. I remember when you finally decided to try the gym and I was just, I was, I knew it was going to be a game changer for you just because, and I remember telling you this at the time, I remember saying, I'm so proud of you for you deciding that you're worth it. And I know even just that actually was going to be really big for you because you'd been curious about it for so long and you were like, and you were finally, you finally gave yourself permission to like carve out the time, the resources and, and to give it to yourself. And I thought even that is going to be huge for Tara. Mm. And I told you that. Yeah, I remember that too. I mean, it is like, there is something really life-changing about I'd never spent that amount of money. Yep. Or that time, it's always like, you just like do the things for yourself, like off the side Mm -hmm. that like, if you can, once everybody else is sorted, Mm -hmm. now it's like, no, no, nothing happens until, until I've been to the gym. Then we can, (laughs) we can have a conversation. Yeah. But what else, Kate, like in your your teaching, anything? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, so many things come to mind. And, you know, I remember when I was first going to gyms and stuff in conjunction with my dance training and and ballet aspirations. And this was in the 90s. People would say like, oh, my God, be careful you don't bulk up. (laughs) I could not get bulky if I try. I'm trying right now. And it's like, I can't. (laughs) <laughs> like like I could not bulk up if I tried but people were so concerned for me in the 90s that I might get bulky <laughs> like horrors so just that like perfect strangers being like I hope you don't get too bulky with your gym uh and uh, and like there's so much wrong with that like so much wrong with that also I I get to decide thanks uh feminism okay so in the dance world whoa Boy, <laughs> it's a big question, isn't it? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. You can just bite off a little chunk of that. No, 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 no. It's so interesting. I think that the other interesting thing about the dance world is like I'm 43. So people, the, the other weird thing about the people around are like, people are like, are you still? Pro- oh, you're still you must just be teaching. And I'm like, OK, well, no, but I'm also still a performer. Like, actually, I'm getting better and better. I'm a better performer now than when I was in my 20s, like much. So. What I am using the strength training in the gym to do is finally I've hit kind of phase of my performing life where I am very, I'm like brave. I give less shit about stuff. I'm less self-conscious. I'm like powerful expressively and like um, creatively and I try things and I'm not afraid to look stupid. And what I feel like I'm doing with the strength training is I'm making sure that I can extend this period now that I'm past the point of giving a shit what other people think of me for the most part let's be real for the most it's not completely gone yeah no i know obviously yeah i want people to love me too obviously i love you thanks tara (laughs) but i like i want to extend this time i want to mat i want to give myself the physical capacity and the um strength the support the support for me to keep going on the performance side as long as i possibly can and that and throwing it back to feminism i would like my students who are younger than me particularly the female one, to see an example of a woman who is, oh my God, over 40 and still getting more powerful. Mm-hmm. I would love for them to see that. And then we can all do that. And the, at a certain point, it won't even matter what our age is or what we look like. That's what I want to be modeling, I think. I'm just continuing. I'm not slowing down. And I'm getting better. And giving less fucks. Isn't that the best thing? <laughs> I think so. Giving less fucks. I think for younger folks to see those of us who are still performing, I can totally relate to that. As soon as I had my child at 39, wow. like everybody just assumed I was going to hang it up. Like that was it. I was like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. And now I'm 51 and I I am persisting. Heron, mm-hmm. do you have any like words of wisdom for like young female identifying folks whether they're dancing or acting or what is a good thing to do like mindset things to do for their bodies maybe they can't afford to go to mad lab or just like anything that pops into your mind about how we can support those folks yeah i mean the first thing i i want to encourage women to do is weight train And especially as younger, because that's when we get to lay the foundation for those strong bones and strong muscles Mm. when we have the hormones to back it up, when we have estrogen coursing through our veins to like create those really strong uh, bones. Because the last thing we want is to, you know, 
end up with osteoporosis and like fall and break a hip and then um and and have it's just a loss of freedom for the life as we get older so the biggest thing i want to encourage is lift those weights you're not going to get bulky trust me we've we've all tried <laughs> and who cares i'm still trying right i want to bulk out <laughs> who cares if you do get bulky well yeah exactly and, and who cares if you do like that's pretty hot um it's very hot let's very face it hot. um and uh if you can't afford personal training because i know that's not you know not everyone can afford it you know there are tons of videos and youtube and all of that like apps that you can use to like just put together some programs and just try things out much like we were saying with dance like don't be afraid to try things out don't be afraid to like if you go to like a community center gym you know ask the people that work there there's got to be tons of people that want to help the amount of people i help at a community center gym well, maybe they don't always ask for it but um <laughs> i also can't walk away from walk by terrible form <laughs> someone's gonna hurt themselves um but yeah it's public service <laughs> public service exactly but there are so many people out there that have uh free content on and know-how videos on on youtube or whatever so check them out and you don't have to do anything crazy technical you don't have to try to like olympic lifting or powerlifting. like just grab some dumbbells at the gym and you know try some stuff because like i said building that muscle early is so powerful for your future health so that you're not trying to like make up for lost time when they're old like us <laughs> <laughs> which is still good and that's first of all what i want to say also is like i work with women mostly middle-aged my kind of age and those 40s that are just starting out with fitness and it's it is never too late um so i don't want to discourage someone who's a little older like 40s 50s 60s saying like oh well it's too late i should have started in my in my 20s like it's never too late but if you can start when you're younger do so please I just read a study where there was seniors in their 70s and 80s who were starting from zero with strength training and the improvement in their their joints and their fall risk and everything was like quite incredible. So 100 percent. Yeah, that was amazing. I thought. Right. Absolutely. Kate, what do you think about the sense of being strong physically and how that correlates to creativity? I think that for me, I have. Maybe it's obvious, maybe it's not obvious, but um, for me, a career in dance has meant that I deal with uh, a lot of pain on a daily basis because it's an expressive form. It's not a form that's meant to necessarily be good for a body. <laughs> it's not like that, that's not its purpose. It can be sometimes, of course. And one might argue that movement is better than not movement, but uh, the kind of dance that I do is not designed to be good for a body necessarily. So what I have to manage on a daily basis is pain. And that's pain from wear and tear stuff that's like, you know, a lot of overuse stuff. Like again, my and my schedule is not necessarily designed to be. Um, I think dance, we don't super apply for science. No. <laughs> we're not calculating resting. We're, we're not ramping in and out. <laughs> in a, our activity levels in a um, periodized mindful way <laughs> at all. No, no. I think it's very rock and roll. So, you know, things happen. You, you deal with pain and things build up. There's stuff going on at all times. And choreography can be very like one-sided, for example, or it can be really unbalanced or there can be like real like whipping. You know, there can be lots of movements that aren't necessarily great. So I think getting stronger has meant that I have managed pain better I've started to resolve or make really incremental progress on some really long-term pain that I've had. I'm seeing myself slowly get out of certain pains that have been there for 20 years, which is incredible. And what it means for creativity in a dance context is that I can spend more time in the studio. You know, I can just have more comfortable hours. <laughs> we're, we're not just trying to survive the rehearsal day mm. and make it through, you know, because the pain. I can enjoy myself. Things feel better. Like new avenues open up. You can, you have the whole new side of your brain that's like available 
when you're not just trying to manage pain. Ooh, that's quite good. <laughs> we all know when you've, you know, got a terrible headache or whatever, that part of your attention is like there. Yeah. I've totally experienced that. Like there's things that I just, I'm like, oh my God, that doesn't hurt. Yep. When I've been used to the last 20 to 30 years of it always hurting. Yeah. And you just get used to that and how eroding that is, right? It's exhausting. And you do find yourself just trying to make it through the rehearsal day instead of having that space in your mind to be like, what about this? What about that? I could do this now. Like, and that that's creativity. Yeah. To have that party brain that's not devoted to surviving the day. Totally. Hey, mm -hmm. totally. You both talked about mental health and movement. And mm -hmm. I just would love to talk about that a bit. Like, wow. Uh, I don't love the weekend because <laughs> mm. I'm not at work. Mm. I'll tell my family. <laughs> no, um, I love the part hanging out with my family, especially if we're doing physical things. But if I'm not at the gym or in the studio, I get a little like, so um, yeah, Karen, <laughs> what is your experience with yourself or with your clients about mental health and movement and maybe strength too? Yeah, I mean... The pandemic was a great example of like when the gym shut down. Uh, at a, were you guys both at the gym then? Kate was. Yeah, I was on Zoom every day with you. Yeah. And it was like, <laughs> that was kind of the only thing keeping me going was doing our like Zoom classes, which was far too many burpees for my liking, but it was still better than nothing. And I think I don't necessarily know what it is as a, as like a great way to just relieve stress. I think a big part of it for at least us as well as the community, I think that's one of the things I missed most about the gym, only because we were still doing workouts, you know, on Zoom and stuff wasn't the same, but I think community, having kind of like-minded people around you that you mostly like and enjoy spending time with <laughs> while moving your body, just it's just such a great stress reliever. And like for me, the days that I'm not at the gym, which is only one day a week, <laughs> it's not like I'm sitting on my ass doing nothing. Like that's the day that I go for big hikes with dogs. So there's always some sort of always moving the body and just the way that it can help to, I think, just get yourself out of your brain and into your into your body to just forget about things for a while. Not that it's really escapism, but it's just a chance to really get into your body. And I think a lot of people, one of the things I noticed, especially coaching people, is a lot of people are not super in tuned with their bodies. And it's one of the things that they get better at as they continue to exercise and, and learn more. But I think that just gives you that chance to spend a little bit more time in your body. And maybe as dancers, that's like you guys are like everyone's in their body, aren't they? <laughs> I imagine you guys spend a lot of time concentrating on what's going on in your meat suit and what how it feels. But I think <laughs> the general populace, especially someone who hasn't worked out before, you ask them like, well, cool, where did you feel that? And they're like, I don't know. You're like, <laughs> feel? I don't know. I've been working on not feeling for the last 45 years. Now you want me to feel? Right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so I think that is the big part of it is just getting out of your head into your body and getting more in tune with what's going on. Because even if it's a hike, like I'm thinking about as we're going uphill, I'm thinking about the burn in my legs. I'm thinking about the burn in my lungs as I'm gasping for air. But I'm not thinking about that jackass that like cut me off in traffic three days ago. Um, I don't know if that rambling, but answered your question. But uh, I think that's how it kind of helps to relieve that stress and and is better for your mental health. I don't even remember if that was the question at this point. <laughs> Fantastic answer. You nailed it. Perfect. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> there was two things that I just want to like put a little light on that. You talked about the community and I feel like this is like dance for us too. I remember Kate in a dance class, you saying, this is church for me. It is. Which I totally agree. And now I feel like the gym is also, you know, the sanctuary. Like we are meant to move together, hmm. to move together, to effort together. And so both a dance class and the gym do that. And it is amazing how close you can feel with people, even though like you literally exchange maybe five words, mm -hmm. if that's. Would you agree with that, Kate? I don't know. Like everybody must be different, right? But I know my I know myself. I must 
leave my home, get with other humans, and go through a physical experience with them. I must. Mm -hmm. And it is important. And um, that's why I called it church. I think it's like something that I need. And sometimes I feel like I'm clearing a fog. Like my head is a fog. My body is fog. And as I start to move with the other people, it lifts. It like breaks something about the sweat. I get sharper. I get like more clear. It's real. That effect is really real for me. And, you know, I don't know about anybody else, but that's what I need to do. And I also think like on the mental health side, it's like the thing for me about it is that if I'm involved in my physical practices, I am tracking small changes. I'm like stacking small victories. They're really small, but they're constant. I wake up and I look forward to piling on more. Um, I'm in this journey with myself that is underlying all the other shit in my life. It is like, it's the most important thing. And I get to do it every day. And it's just like progress. It's for me. It's like, I'm I'm just involved in the small, slow evolution and growth. And that's what keeps me, that's the most important thing to me in this world. And it, that, it sounds very selfish, actually, weirdly, but it's, it's very profound for me. Doesn't Mad Lab have a t-shirt that said the long game or something? That's been a mm -hmm. play, play the, the long, long game. game. Play the long game. I feel like that with art making. I feel like that with, with so many things, just like another little layer, another little layer. It is profound. Every once in a while you stop and go like, oh, look at how far I've come. But it's really the day to day. Hey, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes people ask my advice on like routines or, you know, fitnessy things or how often should I do this or whatever. And I think there are really smart answers to all those questions that are like scientific. But I think that people only stick to something if they if they really enjoy it. And so for me, the answer is, what will you enjoy? What can you actually stick to? Like, that's the number then. <laughs> the number of times per week or how many, I don't know, how many reps or what activity. It's like, <laughs> what do you love? What will you do? What will you be excited to do? That's the answer. Mm -hmm. So true. Do you have an answer to that question, Karan? I mean, I can't disagree with that. Like, as a coach, if you tell me like, you know what, this gym is not for me. I don't feel it. But you know what, I really love spin class. Cool, man. If that is what is going to get you moving and make you happy, mm -hmm. then do it. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. yeah, I'd much rather just people find what they love and what, like you said, what they're going to stick to. That's the best exercise. Yes. The one you're going to do. Yes. <laughs> That's so good, eh? Yeah. How often should I do it? As often as you feel like. Yeah. <laughs> what you can commit to. Yeah. 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 Like what will work for you? That. Yeah. It's no good to be like, I'm going to do this every day. And then you like burn out after a month. It's like, what is sustainable? What brings you joy? Let's do that. Absolutely. Totally. I remember the time I tried to do hot yoga and I went like, remember that, Kate? And I went like five times a week. And then ah! I, like, <laughs> I remember one time coming out feeling horrific. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute, I hate this. <laughs> huh. Um, <laughs> I wanted to ask you both, because this comes up when I talk to folks so often, is the, yeah, I guess it's the accountability piece. Because I talk to so many people, and I felt this too, is like, well, I know what to do, so I just should do it. I should be self-motivated. I should figure this shit out. I'm lazy if I don't do it. All those things that we get that programming. And I really believe in the power of community and the power of a coach or like support. Mm -hmm. And you're both educators. I know you've kind of experienced this firsthand. Do you have thoughts about that, about, you know, kind of how we are as humans? I know there are people who are totally self-motivated and they go and they do it on their own and yay. Mm -hmm. But I certainly thrive when I am supervised in all aspects. <laughs> <laughs> Kiran, go. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole basis of my career. <laughs> I think we put too much on motivation because how many days do you show up to the gym and you're like, I am not motivated to do this. And I think we just need to move beyond that motivation to make it more of a habit. Like I'm not always motivated to brush my teeth either, but I do because it's my daily habit and my, like my self-care thing. 
on top of that, having, and this is where Mad Lab is really unique, but having a coach and having a community, like if you stop showing up to the 7 a.m. class, like people are going to notice, I'm going to notice. And that's when you're going to start getting, you know, little messages like, where the fuck are you? I don't know that you're in Smithers for a month. I need to know why I'm not seeing your face. And it's really funny. I have two clients. They're both relatively new. They started this year um, and they just both happen to be English. They they didn't know each other prior to, um, to coming to the gym. And I was working with one of them and she says she ran into the other one out in the street and they started chatting and they were both talking about how if they didn't show up for a week that they're getting messages from Coach Karan, I hadn't seen them. And one of them started going to the evening classes because it worked better for her schedule or whatever. And like, yeah, do you get those messages from Coach Karan? Like, where the hell are you? (laughs) (laughs) And that's part of it. So not only uh, am I holding them accountable, but they as like community members can hold each other accountable, which is why I really like introducing my clients to each other and forcing them into friendships with <laughs> so, social situations because I want them to know each other. I want them to also provide that external motivation to come to the gym because we don't necessarily always have that internal motivation. Sometimes you feel like shit. Sometimes you feel lazy. Sometimes I want to curl up on a chair and crochet and read a book and not do anything. And it's helpful to have someone pushing me to like, hey, get your ass out of that chair and come and work out. And even for me as a coach, there are times where I'll have an hour break in the day and there's no classes on and uh, I will sit on my phone. But if I have an hour break and there's class on where I know I'm going to be working with someone else and there's going to be a coach leading the group, then I'll sign up for the class. And now all of a sudden, even though I, if it happened an hour later when there was no class, I would not be motivated But now I'm taking that external motivation from like, okay, well, I'm going to do it with my community. I'm going to do it, the coach. um, So that way I'll actually do it. So, I mean, I think those things play a huge role in just keeping you going, which is why our place is so unique. I love that. It's like such a good point. And the kind of the kernel of it, I feel like, is that we need to matter. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. when you matter to a community or, you know, your coach, your like teachers, whoever, that we invest in the the community and the community invests in us. And I feel like we need more of this, mm-hmm. finding those places where you, where you can and where you feel like you matter. And maybe that's something for all of us to think about, like, who have you not seen in dance class lately or at, you know, wherever? Yeah, just to pay attention. Mm-hmm. Kate, what do you think about that, the accountability thing and as a teacher? I think it's a little different for me and what I do as a teacher um, because I feel that the career that I'm preparing people for it requires self motivation. <laughs> we're different kinds of educators, I think. Mm-hmm. Quran, because I'm not. We're not, I'm not doing. Like I said, I'm not in the health field, mm-hmm. so I don't necessarily need people to come. <laughs> mm. I want to work with the people who want to come. Period, because that's what's needed. To continue in dance. Yes. For the dancers, anybody in dance, this is my public service announcement. (laughs) If you do not love it. Just don't do it. And feel like you must do it. This is going to (laughs) shock you. But it's a bit hard to make a living. (laughs) Um, I mean, that's a good point, but there's an accountability. I think the best thing I can do for the people that I teach is believe in them. Uh Aha. Wholeheartedly. Let them know. I take them very seriously as people, as artists, even though they're just starting out. And I hope that will in turn make them see them, take themselves incredibly serious. Oh, she thinks she's really serious about me as an artist. Okay. I guess I could be a serious artist. That's what I hope will motivate them. And I do believe in each and every one of them that they have everything it takes. And I hope that that infuses them and then they will they have to find it within themselves that I can't do it. And that, and the other thing I do, of course, Tara, you've taken my class a lot. I am a big cheerleader. The best. And even on days where I, I'm feeling really under today, like I'm, you know, I'm like, I wake up, I'm like, I'm tired. I probably won't yell as much. Like, but I do get there within two seconds. I'm like, 
great job. When it, like I'm like yelling out like that somebody's doing great. I'm like, I see. Oh, that was amazing. Like I'm a huge cheerleader. I like to like really make people feel that I believe in them because I do. And then I want their motivation to take over the line. I'm not chasing anybody down to come to my class. That's not my job in my field. It's a different kind of thing. It's not about health. No, but I think as teachers, probably if there's somebody that's, you know, you're, you're also tracking them and you're caring for them. Oh, sure. Right? Like, oh, sure. Oh, sure. Yes. Yeah. I don't mean to be like, I'm so hands off and I don't care if you come. Like, <laughs> I do. She's not hands off at all. No, not at all. <laughs> I do. I do. But I cannot be somebody's external motivation in our career. Yeah. It won't work. It'll fall apart real fast. And also part of my job is to train people off of me and into their own cheerleading loop with themselves. Mm, yeah. Because they can't looking for external validation and this will tie into feminism too. Looking for external validation ain't it. <laughs> so let's get our own cheerleading systems going mm -hmm. and let's not rely on anybody from outside to tell us we're doing well. Let's get on our own paths here. I mean, dance, you just won't survive as an independent dance artist without that kind of thing. So that's what I have to do. Absolutely. I feel like there's so many correlations between like the strength training, also paying attention when you're able to like concrete, I lifted this thing, this heavy thing, accomplishment. There's so many things in our lives that are so abstract and like, am I doing this right? I don't know, <laughs> especially in art. And then if you can do something and you know it's good and your body did it, that's validation right there. True. Measurable. <laughs> Measurable. It's measurable. Yeah. And pay attention to it. Pay attention to like, hey, my body did that Yeah, because not to be bleak, but it's not going to do it forever. <laughs> this is a limited time offer. <laughs> um, I love it. I could keep asking you questions, but I'm respecting of the times. <laughs> I have two last questions. My first question is, is there something you would have liked me to ask, but I did not ask? I think we haven't touched that much on the creative aspect. Yeah. My note was like about like that feeling of power. <laughs> yeah. And the feeling of being able to express. Like for me, I've definitely felt that. How does it change? Not only physically, but in terms of like power and voice. Yeah. Yes. And I guess maybe I'm trying to take over your job here for a second, Tara. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> because I am wondering, Haran, you as a coach and how creativity plays into how you design, how you choose what your next client is going to do and how you choose certain things for certain clients and how you, I'm assuming you take into account their whole life story and what they're into. And then you like are being creative about the things you select for them or like how you play, mm -hmm. how you play and try mm -hmm. in your job. Cool. Um. That's a good, hard question, <laughs> because I do feel like like I'm a very systematic person. Mm. So I feel like a lot of the choices I make for a client are very systematic mm. based on like, OK, how does your shoulders move? Well, that's how mm. based on your mobility, that's how we're going to choose what exercises I want you to do so you can do them safely. I think where the play comes in might be more of like, okay, you have this shitty shoulder mobility. How can we figure out a way to make it better? And I think it's more of a problem solving. Mm. I don't know if I consider that a play, but it's more of a problem solving of like, mm. I can't figure out why your hips move that way. <laughs> like, mm. And we're going to try some things and see if they make them better. But again, it's still systematic because it's like, well, let's test this, see how shitty it is. <laughs> let's do this thing. And then let's retest. Is it still mm. shitty or is it slightly less <laughs> shitty? Slightly less shitty. Okay, we're on to something. Mm. So it still feels very systematic to me rather than creative. Um, mm. So I think in terms of what I do now, I don't actually feel very creative. Mm. I feel more systematic and like using those systems to solve problems. Yeah, I'm just going to jump in here and say that in art making, there are a lot of systems and there's a lot of like repetition and problem solving <laughs> and obstacles that you kind of are trying to like figure out. I think about like joke writing gets very kind of like, does this work? No. OK, mm -hmm. try it over here. What about this? <laughs> try it over here. 
And so I think there's a definite correlation. And I would say, like, I think teaching is a creative act for sure. Hmm. And um, I think sometimes there's an idea that creativity is this, like, mystical magic unicorn mm. rainbow thing and actually it is very like <laughs> going to the studio okay do the thing over and over again like how okay like oh god how do I make that work so it's smooth <laughs> yeah so I I feel like there's a lot of creativity there well I mean now that you're saying that I think one thing that has come to mind is that everyone I work with learns differently mm-hmm. so where I might say one cue to you mm-hmm. to the next person they're gonna be like what are you talking about and that doesn't change and i've got to come up with something else mm-hmm. some other way to describe or explain what i want and then some people i literally i'm like i just need to touch okay and sometimes i just need to actually physically put my hands on a person and be like mm-hmm. move this here Mm-hmm. <laughs> like running out of words or ways to say this. Mm-hmm. So I think that to me, like as you were talking, that's the biggest creativity side of like mm-hmm. figuring out how to get through to someone on on how to teach them to do a thing. Love it. Don't you think that maybe in the bath or on a walk or something and you suddenly go like, oh my God, I know how to explain this to that client <laughs> or like, oh my God, like I just thought of a new image mm-hmm. for this or holy crap. Could this principle be related to that principle? Mm-hmm. These kinds of like things that I feel are creative sparks. I do. Yeah. When you kind of finally figure out something that works, you're like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. probably use that for like 50 other people too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> find different language, you find different mm-hmm. imagery, you find different, like a different solution or you, yeah, it's fun. It's so fun making connections. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You kind of answered the question, Kate, but do you have anything else to say about that? Like (laughs) fitness and creativity, teaching, creativity, any of those things? I think there's some piece that is about awareness of sensation, like awareness of subtle sensation. Mm. Like, for example, a dancer, for the most part, will learn from the beginning to copy an instructor to look into the mirror to observe their own front of their own body and make the shape that their teacher's making and copy it. And when you can get a dancer who's at a certain level to all of a sudden feel the back of their body, (laughs) now there's a whole other world to explore. If you can get people to understand the difference in sensation, the two different worlds that are the inhalation and the exhalation in terms of sensation, I think you're opening up a whole field of awareness and play for people that will be endless. Hmm. If you can feel how, if you relax your eyeballs and let them sink into your head, there's a relationship to your femur head beside your pelvis doing the same. Like, let's get so weird with this. And sensation, just like how many wild sensations can you tap into in your own body? It's like magical, witchy, rich, life-expanding shit. Mm -hmm. Oh, I just love that. And what creativity comes with that? Who knows? It's magic. Like everything. (laughs) Everything. Attention. Yeah. Being really present, right? Yes. Okay. One fun fact, your tongue anatomically is connected to your big toe. Fascially. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool with voice work. Anyway, um, Karan and I have to go to bed. Um, (laughs) Separately, but yes. The jammy's got to go on. Mm -hmm. Um, Really quickly, what is something that is giving you creative energy or that you're loving right now, whether it's like a hobby or a TV show or food you just discovered, just last thing, just quick. Crocheting for our oh for our craft fair we have coming up, making my little crochet friends. Oh my god, you're gonna have to send a picture of that crocheted moose, <laughs> and we'll post it because that's adorbs. I love it. <laughs> Crocheting's so good, meditative, so good, <laughs> fun. Kate, I'm spending a lot of time this fall very deeply in a creative process with a local contemporary dance company called Company 605. And it feels like my creative life is really blasted into that process. And so um, 
a lot of things I'm thinking about are, are related to the work that we're doing. And a lot of art things that I'm consuming on Instagram are feeding into that research, I guess, mm-hmm. which is all about like a lot of different things from loss to digital migration to like ideas of future to leaving our bodies behind or transcending through movement. So it's been a lot. It's been like a lot to chew on this fall. And it's been like amazing to have this much time to work on this dance. The gift of time. (laughs) Yeah. Love it. Yeah, it's good. It's been really good. Thank you so much. We'll have to do this again because I got more (laughs) questions. Yeah. (laughs) Very, very interesting. I love it. I'll see you both at the gym. Thanks, Tara. Absolutely. All right. That's a wrap. Thank you so much, Karan and Kate, for sitting down and talking to me about such fascinating and inspiring things. Oof, muscles. I just want to put a little plug in there. If you are listening to this before January 2024, I'm going to be doing my show Pants at the Fire Hall Art Center here in so-called Vancouver, January 17th to 20th. We'll put the link in the show notes. And if you missed it, if you're listening to this later, it might still be on tour. So check our website, www. I forgot how many W's. Terrashyan.com. Please get in touch. We're on Instagram, Terrashyan TCP. We're on Facebook, if anybody's still on Facebook, Terrashyan Performance. You can email us at info at Terrashyan.com. Talking Shit with Terrashyan is a production of Terrashyan Performance, produced, edited with original music by Mark Stewart. You can get a hold of Mark, MarkStewartMusic.com. And once again, Share, rate, review. Donations are super important for those of us in the not-for-profit world. They help us make our shows. They help make this show. And you can go to Donate, upper right-hand corner, at www.terrashine.com, or we'll put the link in the show notes. And the quote I'm going to leave you with today, I have left you with this one before, but I just feel like right now it's important. This quote comes from Tony Cade Bambara. The role of the artist is to make the revolution irresistible. Keep making shit up. We'll see you next time. That's pretty hot. Um, (laughs) It's very hot. Let's face it. Um, And uh, (laughs) this podcast is effing good. good.